Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. All of NASCAR's drivers have rallied around Bubba Wallace. The NASCAR Cup Series, lone black driver, after what happened here yesterday afternoon. The drivers, led by reigning Cup Series champion Kyle Busch in green, and their crews, the entire garage area, has rallied around Bubba Wallace and the number 43 today. Because yesterday afternoon, a noose was found hanging in the garage stall of Bubba's race car. In the NASCAR Cup garage area, a secure area where access is limited to competitors, officials, and track staff. A despicable act by someone or not by someone. Well, what do you know? Just a day later, NASCAR statement just moments ago, the FBI has completed its investigation at Talladega Super Speedway and determined that Bubba Wallace was not the target of a hate crime. The FBI report concludes and photographic evidence confirms that the garage door pull rope fashioned like a noose had been positioned there since as early as last fall. This was obviously well before the 43 team's arrival in garage assignment. We appreciate the FBI's quick and thorough investigation and are thankful to learn that this was not an intentional racist act against Bubba. We remain steadfast in our commitment to providing a welcoming and inclusive environment for all who love racing. Well, my goodness, that just 24 hours after NASCAR had had a really, really uh, damning uh, s statement released about this horrible hate crime that occurred, targeting this young man in these times, 
this this violation of the of the soul of the country at such a sensitive time as well. All sorts of celebrities lent their support to Bubba. They knew for a fact this must be in Trump's America. This is something that certainly is true. This is certainly something you certainly don't have to vet, even though internet sleuths were on it early. And if you dare, if you dared to say, huh, I have a few questions about this, then you are castigated, <coughs> called a racist. All the usual, usual stuff. Now, I am not a self-aggrandizing person, but I will say there was a small group of people today on a podcast at about 7.30 in the morning called the Jerry Callahan Podcast, and we uh, talked about the issue. Let's see what our take was. I don't believe a racist put a noose in Bubba Wallace's garage. God, I feel better. I feel better. That's why I'm here. So I don't have to go into the boss's office when the show is over. I don't have to apologize for having an honest opinion. That is the opinion of most people today. I'm sorry. It doesn't sound believable that a racist and I, there's probably a bunch of racists at the, on the NASCAR circuit, maybe mechanics, maybe fans or media or whatever would take the time to make a noose, sneak into Bubba's garage, and hang it from the ceiling as a way to scare or intimidate Bubba Wallace. Uh, let's go round the room. Uh, I know this is putting you guys in a tough spot. I mean, you have families, you have homes, you have careers. Do you believe that a racist snuck into the garage and hung a noose from the ceiling? Tom Shattuck. Uh, I do not know. I do not. I believe that there would have been a photo of it. This is 2020, and there's no photo at all. Uh, okay, let's hear from uh, uh, Colin. And you got and six other jobs. You have, you know, you have corporatized. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Do you believe that a racist snuck in the garage and hung a noose in in uh, Bubba Wallace's uh, Richard Petty team garage? Antifa Dave believes. Antifa Dave believes that an <laughs> did something stupid. Yes. Excellent instincts, Antifa Dave. Uh, wrong on this one. Of course, there wasn't a freaking news. Are you kidding me? There was. A, how would somebody? And first of all, the idea that somebody that Bubba never saw, according to news reports, Bubba never saw the news and didn't encounter this thing himself. It was somebody who worked for him who did. So somebody who worked for him went into Bubba's garage, saw a noose that was fashioned to the a garage door. A noose that could only fit the head of a G.I. Joe doll and decided that that was a legitimate threat. You know, a noose is only a noose if it's a noose. If it's a garage door handle, it's not a noose. Rope, it's, you know, rope can't self-animate into something it is not. And who knows if this was the assistant or the, the, the guy who worked for him who said, oh, there's an opportunity here, or if he was just profoundly stupid or if this is something that he and papa wallace thought it was a good idea or if from the top down nascar said hey okay this is what we need we need this visual of everybody walking remember how beautiful it was for the fox sports people to talk about all of nascar's drivers have rallied around bubba wallace the nascar cup series lone black driver after what happened here yesterday afternoon. And there they were, all of the NASCAR people pushing Bubba Wallace's car, and there were hugs, and 
and there were tears, and man, it was a great moment, a perfect piece of PR for NASCAR that really needed it, considering considering that they have just uh, made dictates on Confederate flags at their events, considering that, the, you know, it is a fossil fuel-fueled event as well. They've got other problems, and they really needed the image remake, and it just came together. How about that? What are the chances it just came together uh, perfectly? And this man, this young, handsome uh, African-American man, uh, Bubba Wallace, they rallied around him, and it, it was it's good feels for everybody, and NASCAR outpaces everybody else in virtue in this new world, during this cultural revolution, it was always, always BS. You, all you had to do was look at the, look at the facts. Look at the facts of of, of what was going on in the garage, and the, and the idea that NASCAR said they talked to the FBI, but they must have known before they called the FBI that that there was not a noose, that this is a piece of rope in the garage. But they called the FBI anyway because they wanted to put this show on, this charade. And now this, the, the plausible deniability, we talked about that this morning on the po- uh, Callahan podcast, it was always built in because you could say that the garage door string looked a little loosey. Now, <laughs> you know, I don't even have to qualify that. I, this is this is a bunch of BS propagated on the country. NASCAR coming out today and saying, well, you know what? If it showed the solidarity, that was worth it. Of course it was worth it to you because you put out an ad campaign, essentially, around this to rebrand yourselves this is b s i am glad it came crashing down there is more to this somebody is responsible for this and this is not a happenstance i just talked to somebody who said well maybe it's because of you know everybody's sensitivities are riled up and everybody's so attuned now to racism etc that well no no that's not an exculpatory piece of uh, evidence that's an incriminating piece of evidence that somebody used this situation to try to use the the uh, the passions of the the moment to uh, hitch their sails to it for gain. Yeah, this is bad. This is bad news. It's certainly an indictment of everybody in NASCAR. It's I mean, how Fenway Park is that? It's, it's telling you know, casting a suspicious eye to anybody who could have been in those stands. Hmm, who did this? We know somebody did it. We've already called the FBI. We know you people in the stands. We know you people working for us. We know how what's in your heart. We know that you're all closet racist. So it could have been any of you. We're bringing in the feds. What a fraud. What a fraud to have this. First of all, among other things, by the way, this just tears away at the real credible claims. Racism does happen. You know, it, we're we're coming off a bad history of actual lynching. There's racial intimidation. There's all sorts of things out there, and this just you know dulls the credibility of legitimate stories. So I'm gonna it's t- it's Tuesday night right now while I'm recording this. I'm gonna talk about it Wednesday morning with Jerry. I'm sure. I think Kirk Minahan. I talked to Steve Robinson, who you're about to hear from in a second. Earlier today, I'm sure Kirk will talk about this tonight, along with some other things. Um, and I'm just blown away. So, in a second, I'm going to pass you to. I'm going to. We're going to talk to Steve Robinson. When I talked to Steve a couple of hours ago, this stuff hadn't broken yet, so we just missed it. But we hit on some other important things that are really very much uh, related to it, as far as the culture craziness, etc. That's going on. And uh, so, it's a good interview with Steve. Steve's a great guy. I've known him for for years now. And uh, and then at the, the very end, we'll bring in my wife, who's named Alice, and she talks about another story of, and this is essentially more media activism, 
uh, using their platform to bully people to get the results they're looking for. All right, from the uh, Kirk Minahan show, it is Steve S.E. Robinson. All right, here he is, Steve Robinson. You can find him on Twitter at Big Steve. Is it Big Steve 207, Steve? Big Steve 207, correct. And he is the producer of the Kirk Minahan show. Uh, for the time being, our, bar, our bar, bar stool uh, uh, sports uh, website, but we'll see. Tonight, he's, I think we'll probably get a little more information on that when the guys uh, have a um, previously unscheduled show around uh, around 7 tonight. And we'll oh, see. I, I don't think I don't think this would be a huge surprise of a show. It's uh, we were planning on doing some stuff during vacation. You know, we did the show on Sunday, so mm-hmm. we're trickling some stuff out. I would I wouldn't say it's going to rise to the level of an emergency podcast, but we'll certainly respond to uh, some of the things that Dave Portnoy said about us on the rundown. <laughs> oh man, I don't know if it's it's tough to think uh, that that's something you can come back from, but I will uh, I'll leave, we'll leave that that up to uh, Team Minahan to decide. Until then, Steve, I want to talk to you about. Um, the freaking world. Four years ago, you and I, and then it was VB, were sitting, uh, were talking, shooting the breeze at the Republican National Convention in Cleveland, thinking, talking about how crazy things were then. You know, Trump was the nominee. Would they get, would the convention get off the ground? You know, who knows? They, I think they just, uh, no, they just brought Manafort in at that point, who's now in a the penitentiary. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but... Man, the, right now, the way things are in this country, this is crazy. This is absolutely crazy. All of these, uh, the the uh, the statues and the huge Marxist push that's come out of Black Lives Matter. Let me just ask you quickly: Do you think this recedes, or uh, are we have we gone too far? I think it only gets worse. To be honest, there it, it only accelerates, and at the root of it is is social media. I mean, this this entire thing, including Trump's presidency, is fueled by the, uh, the the way social media has changed our interactions and our politics. I mean, just just today you saw that there's that video going around that that guy uh, he got he someone flipped in the bird in traffic, so he hunts yes. he hunts this woman down and records a video of her, calls her Karen, and screams at her, shows her license plate and everything. It's got like seven million views on it, and that guy's clearly just doing it because he wants to become Twitter famous, but. You know, even maybe eight, ten years ago, that just wasn't possible. People weren't acting like that. So social media has changed people's behavior in very real ways. And also, I think Facebook has led to Facebook and to a lesser extent, Twitter has led to such a polarization of people's views because it's very easy just to, you know, be in your own camp and your own tribe, only get information that reinforces your pre-existing beliefs. And, you know, when you get uh, so extreme, then any of your behavior, any of your speech is justified towards the perceived enemy. So it just kind of has, social media has just exacerbated all of our worst tendencies. And it's, I mean, just opening up Twitter is just very stressful now. It's just a dumpster fire. Everyone hates each other. It's crazy. <laughs> and everybody gets to be a, um, a, a hero. So that guy who's named Dillard Correct. or something, he suggested that he got cut off by this woman. This guy does this for a living. It's, you know, he suggests that there's, all, there's some kind of racism is, uh, <clears throat> is it play for uh, and he use puts together these videos usually after after the racist event that didn't yeah. happen and then he destroys her but this woman this was terrible because the woman in this was absolutely she was panicked she's terrified she's, she's terrified she, she was living through a, a fucking black mirror episode you know like she's 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 can, she could probably foresee that her life was about to be just like 
torn asunder because some nut wants to be, you know, famous on social media. It's, it was, it's madness. But I mean, that, that same thing is playing itself out. Like it seems every day there's some new thing where there's some video going viral and you can't tell what's true, what's not true. It's, uh, I, I didn't, I don't know. I, I don't think that it recedes to be honest. I think, you know, there's, there's just going to be a new app. Like, you know, now TikTok's coming out and kids are doing crazy things to try and get TikTok famous. There's always going to be some new, oh, yeah. uh, new aspect of social media and, and a way that it kind of, allows the worst of human nature to reach a, uh, a full fruitful expression. <laughs> <laughs> TikTok, exactly. And also young people are being, uh, you know, mobilized to use TikTok to, TikTok to uh, harass Trump and his uh, numbers. It looks like that, by the way, this guy, Car- Car- um, Dillard, it looks like a lot of his stuff has been taken down in his fundraising pages. Carlos Dillard's fundraising pages have been taken down. Let me see if I can get a little of this. Oh, that's interesting because I last I checked on Here that video, is. it had seven million views. Okay? So, on the on the same day that you have the president of the United States having his Twitter account flagged for saying that he's not going to allow basically a, a left wing bum camp to set up in the District of Columbia, <laughs> that's an advo- you know that's him advocating violence. Here yeah. you have this guy who is literally subjecting this woman to psychological terrorism, yes. videotaping her. Like you know, okay. Whatever she did, maybe she was the aggressor. Maybe she cut him off. I, you know, there's an, a suggestion that uh, he, this woman called him the N-word. I mean, whatever happened, I don't think it justifies intentionally using social media and that kind of uh, public shaming to try and just, like, drive someone nuts. I mean, how's this guy going to feel if this woman, you know, loses her job and ends up killing herself? Yeah, no, and here's a little bit of it. This is him calling her Karen, and she is uh, panicking. But did you attack? I'm not attacking you. Ma'am, you flicked me off. Guys, this is her license plate number. She lives here. Oh, very nice. This is her address. Jesus. Karen, you flicked me off. Can you imagine that? Don't flick off Carlos Dillard. So anyway, thankfully, one of the good signs of uh, Twitter is that the cavalry comes eventually in a lot of these cases. And they and they, they flagged a bunch of uh, tweet posts where he's suggested people have been calling him racist stuff uh, for a whole bunch of times. I, I, here's another post of his. I just had a racist Asian lady demand to see my ID and my phone and prove that I was uh, a Postmates driver while I was after I refused to show her. She called me. Guess what she called me? So all of this uh, stuff and even the birder in in uh, Central Park. And it, oh yeah, I mean that that was that was another one. Although I think I think that 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 woman is, uh, I mean, just from what we saw in the video, that woman is just a terrible person. Yes, That's what, a lot a lot of this stuff when it comes out, it's just like everybody in the situation is just terrible. You're like, right. If that if that woman used the n word, bad person. If that that guy for trying to ruin her life, bad person. Like the birder is, uh, you know, I guess he's just a, a, a nice, polite guy, but he kind of did a little tap dancing on social media and was like, you know, intentionally trying to ruin this woman's life. And she's also a bad person. Everybody's, everybody's just shitty in these videos when they come yes, out. Everybody's terrible. And unfortunately it, you're, we're creating, cultivating this culture where people get to go to these places and feel good about themselves. And people get to just, just in the palm of their hand now get to virtue signal on a, a nuclear level that they never did. Uh, it never had could before, and it's disgusting. And unfortunately, you know, too many dumb people have access access to, you know, this power in their hands, and, and they're yes. and they're influencers, Steve, which means absolutely <laughs> nothing, unfortunately. But it, it, they probably do influence fellow Zoomers. I have a uh, this audio is this young lady right now feeling very good about herself, Steve. You may uh, recognize this woman. The thing is, when you're getting backlash from people 
who are brazenly deciding to be on the wrong side of history yeah. in public in front of everyone. Like, just yeah. front, so the whole world knows that they're failing this open note test right now on the yeah. world. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, I it doesn't bother no. me. It doesn't. That means there's like, something good's sh- happening. Yeah, that means so I'm the charity. Hold on, one second. Hold on, hold on, hold on a second. Thing. Yeah. If you're pissed, like, if you're worried about that, you know what? If you're pissing racist people off, you're yeah, probably you there on the right yeah. track. Right. Can you imagine that? Of course, is an yes. excerpt from the my, my good my good friend and colleague Ellie Schnitt. Yeah. Can Can you imagine the patting yourself in the back? Have we ever had my generation? I'm Generation X. We are idiots. There's no doubt we were idiots, just like everybody else. I thought when Pearl Jam came up, it was you know Pearl Jam. Eddie Vedder was railing against the the um, the national debt that Reagan and Bush had wrought upon us, and in my generation was angry. I was told, you know, by Time Magazine. So you know, I bought like a I bought the Gen X uh, soft drink that just came out for us, etc. But like after a year and a half. We didn't have social media, so it just kind of went away, and we all went into the workforce, and you know, and all that romance is gone. But now, with social media, like you were saying, you can, you know, play make believe forever, all through your twenties and thirties. You can, <laughs> exactly you can feel like a- well, I think. I think the part of the, uh, I guess, like the the motivation here is that our. Like, I guess I've, I'm technically this is the same generation as Ellie. I guess we both qualify as millennials, but we we never had a great struggle. Like we didn't have World War Two, Vietnam, the civil rights movement, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, ending the Cold War. There was no great struggle for us apart from, you know, I, I guess, you know, 9-11 really in some ways defined mm-hmm. our generation. But uh, there's been that there's nothing there's not that shared experience or challenge that we could all unite together and feel good and march in the streets for. I mean, for a while it was it was um, gay marriage, but you know the Supreme Court pretty much solved that one. So now people are just like desperately trying to, um, I guess, kind of create that own movement. And it says it's it's more about themselves than it is about accomplishing any specific goals. You know, you, you right. post the black box on Instagram, you tweet out that link to donate to to you know God knows what charity, mm-hmm. uh, who knows who's running them, and it, it really is more about making themselves feel good. Right, and, and, you know, and it's just—it's it, just—it's. I mean, you can't even really take it seriously. Like, if there was someone, if there was someone who was like—I I hate to say this—but someone smarter who was calling me a racist, I might take it seriously. <laughs> but yeah, I but mean, the, there's, the there's problem, only there's only so much you can do. The problem is, Steve, is that like these you, a 26 year old moron in Brooklyn, a white person who's middle class, who's taking who took a knee last week and has the one fist up and is giving to Black Lives Matter, etc. They're actually making a difference. The culture and politics, the, all of this stuff, the the full platform for Black Lives Matter, which they have no idea. These white middle class LARPing idiots have no idea no. that it's got a Marxist foundations. But part of that platform can be codified into law, you know? Yes. It, it, yeah. They, well, I, I think they, the, the movement is now having a political impact for sure. But I also think that it's inspiring backlash because most people, when they're watching riots on TV, are not thinking, I want to vote for the people that the rioters are voting for. They're thinking, I want to vote the opposite way. I want to vote for, you know, basically President Trump again. I want to have law and order Republicans in place. Um, so I, I think that the the defund the police thing, I mean, that's that's also going to backfire on them. I mean, I, yeah. there was somebody, somebody tweeted the other day and I thought it was just a situation is that you've got like a once in a generation moment where pretty much everybody agrees that the police need to be reformed and you have so much energy, so much attention. You have 
you know, the eyes of the, the uh, political leaders are on you saying, all right, what do we need to do? What do we need to do? And you come up with fucking defund the police, like the dumbest right. possible uh, <laughs> answer to this question. Like, you know, and Ellie's talking about failing an open note test. I think you're, you're failing an open note test if you're supporting defund the police. I mean, there are a lot of different things that we could do to make a meaningful difference in the way, uh, you know, uh, police interact with our communities and defunding the police is just not one of them. Charlie Baker actually, for all of his uh, uh, many, 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 many flaws, uh, has the right idea coming out with more money for police training. I mean, either it's, it's not so. going to help anybody to defund the police. I guess so. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how much I don't know how much more training can do. I mean, if these the cops have so many millions of incursions into the black community. Almost it almost always is a peaceful incursion. And, you know, they're. You know, you, 250 uh, blacks are killed a year in these communities due to police. Um, and that's not good, obviously, and that is bad. But I, I in, 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 in kind of these bang-bang situations like in Atlanta, I don't know. I, was, I, I do not think that man should have been shot, but I don't know what they, what they could have done. I don't know where their training is. They t- these guys take so much crap. It's ridiculous. They got to stand there and be yelled at by freaking Ivy League white kids about how racist <laughs> the AOC. black police <laughs> yeah. officers getting yelled at by white kids, middle class white yeah. kids, calling them racist. It's crazy. But you talked about uh, Trump. You know, theoretically, you would think that you're right. People would look at this, what's going on, and all the carnage, and say, "I want to vote for whoever is not for that." But it poll poll wise, it's not showing up for Trump. He's still ten solid points behind Biden. Do you think there's a hidden? It vote? Isn't. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's all you really have to look at is Florida, and he's he's way under Biden in Florida. But then, of course, you know, comes the refrain to that. Well, the polls said that Hillary was going to win. If the polls were correct, Hillary would be running for her second term. I mean, yeah, polls are not a, a flawless science, but they are our best indication of which way people are leaning. Uh, and they and they they can you know predict outcomes and specifically when you look at Florida like there's no there's no Trump victory formula that doesn't include Florida in my opinion right and he is he, he is uh, I mean that's I, I would be panicking if I was looking at the numbers coming out of out of Florida well then why doesn't he get that bump why doesn't he get the anti-riot bump uh, I have no idea I, I think that there's you saw it in 2016 and you saw it in um, in Maine in 2010. With the, there was kind of a hidden Paul LePage vote. There's a mm-hmm. hidden Trump vote. Um, I mean, if you just ask yourself what kind of person is more likely to tell a, a pollster to go fuck off when they call, those people tend to tend to lean conservative. Like a liberal mm-hmm. wants to tell you exactly how they feel. A conservative maybe a little bit more paranoid and says, "Nah, screw you. I'm not giving out that information." So I, I don't know. It could be a, it could be any number of those things. But I, I think that there could also just be a little bit of fatigue. Kind of uh, mm-hmm. you know uh, an exhaustion with Trump because even if you even if you like what he's doing the way he goes about it is just so tiresome and having to keep up with the news and having to follow things and you know I mean he could he could create twelve news cycles in a morning with just a couple of tweets and then you kind of have to catch up and I mean for us our our livelihoods is politics and and news and talking about it but I think for, for the average person who's just you know trying to trying to work a nine to five and you know mm-hmm. maybe check in once in a while and stay informed. It's got to be so exhausting. Yeah, no, I think a lot of people feel that way, and and I also feel, and maybe you 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 agree or not, I, he, the guy's in a slump. He has sucked. Oh in yeah, twenty twenty. This yeah. is not. Yeah, the- no, I, I think there's no question. I think his his response to the entire moment that we're having as a country right now has been very underwhelming, 
And he's kind of, he, he's, he very easily could have co-opted it. Like, I mean, just do a march in DC. I know these people don't like you, but you've got secret service, go do a march in DC, do an Oval Office address, do something. Mm-hmm. No, let the, let these people know, like, the, you make common cause with them to the extent that you can. I mean, he's not going to defund the police, but he could, he has been very good on criminal justice reform in the first two years of his presidency. Uh, he's been very strategic with his use of uh, pardons and commuting people's sentences. Yep. I mean, that's good Trump. We need more of that. And he could have leaned into that in a big way. And it just, you just haven't seen it. Yeah. Um, and people- hey, have you, have, have you got the Bolton book yet? No, no. Do you have it? Yeah, somebody just sent me a PDF. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, yeah. I had... yeah I'll, I'll, I'll share it with you. Oh, good. Uh, so I, but that's that's just another example of how exhausting the Trump presidency is. Totally, and and actually, I like Bolton. I've I've talked to him a bunch of times. I'm sure Same. you have. Yeah, and he's a great intellectual thinker and a, a kind of a. Uh, guy with cojones and and i i believe pretty much everything that i've heard so far about the book i think when when trump was talking about uh g uh about his um concentration camps the we got the the wording of what bolton wrote is very important because it says essentially concentration camps and you could see trump's inarticulation being a big factor in there and stumbling around and saying oh yep very good very good i don't think I don't think Trump has the ideological depth to have an opinion on concentration camps, other than the fact he likes building <laughs> structures. I mean, so... To- yes. Oh, it's a very nice building. It's huge. It's nice. I like it. <laughs> right. Right. And I think that that's... Like, he, Bolton makes the case that Trump is unfit and doesn't have the temperament. And there's there's a lot that's, that, that's probably inarguable in that way. But uh, to think that, that Trump has this inner malevolence... Who the hell's buying that? The guy designed golf courses as his passion. You know, this is not somebody who was studying Mussolini and got excited and decided to get into politics. Exactly. But- yeah, and and I also I well, I guess what just one thing on on the Bolton book. The guy who sent it to me, who has read about uh, quite a bit of it, says it actually casts Trump in a much better light than you might think of. And this guy's like a very conservative guy, and he says that what it what it shows is how uh, Trump angered the Warhawks. Trump has angered the guys yeah. like Mattis and like Bolton. Like, I mean, Bol- Bolton is a, a neoconservative, and I use that in a in a, uh, a positive way, not with right. negative connotations, because I'm kind of a neoconservative a little bit too. Um, but he, there's no question that I mean, he wants regime change everywhere, and Trump doesn't want any wars of choice, and so of course they're going to clash. But so I'll, I'll be I'll be interested to give it a read. But I do think that I mean, anything newsworthy or or, or scandalous in there is already out and for public consumption. But I mean, it's only going to be shocking to you if you thought that when the news cameras aren't on Trump, he suddenly becomes this like serious geopolitical strategic <laughs> thinker. Like, like the, the news, the news is basically that Trump is still basically Trump if he's hanging out with uh, Xi Jinping right. or Vladimir Putin. He's still just Trump. And he just kind of like bumbles and bluffs his way through situations. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, Good. What was the, the other thing I was going to say? Uh, anyways, I'll send you the PDF to the book. I, I lost my other point there, but I'll send you the PDF so you can don't have to pay it. That's all <laughs> because I, I have a feeling the government's going to collect all that money anyway. Yeah, that's right. I get the feeling too, and that's it. You know who's in a pickle though is uh, Jeff Cooner. You know, because Cooner Cooner had him on the show, had Bolton on the show like every week, right? Yeah, wasn't he a regular guest that's every right. Thursday or something like that? Yeah. So he's got to kind of flip from like this guy who I trusted enough to have on my radio show every single week for years to suddenly enemy number one. Ooh, that is tough. That's tough. That's a, t- that's a tough one to, na- to navigate. <laughs> I assume Howie's cast Bolton aside uh, if, when when he 
when Bolton stepped out of, out of the uh, when Bolton left. Yeah, the administration. Well, I, I'm, I'm sure. I don't really think he was ever a huge fan of Bolton to begin with. I think we might have had him on, uh, you know, two or three times. Yeah. But I mean, I mean, how he's generally uh, not on the the Warhawk side of things. It is interesting, Steve. How how. Uh, you know, Howie essentially and Coulter as well and Jerry Callahan all now have decided the, that the Iraq war is a bad idea. And I'm still for it, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. you're, the, you're, the, you're the last holdout. I, I am. I, I mean, obviously, I don't like the 6,000 dead and I don't like the supply chain to uh, Baghdad being left weak. And I wish it could be done in a different way if I could go back. I also wish D-Day could be done in a different way. But I do think that we had the reason to go in there. But um, where are you on that? Uh, I think that the Iraq war and the way we did it was probably a mistake. Yeah. I mean, S- S- Saddam Hussein, there's no doubt. I mean, he's an evil guy and the uh, Iraq is probably better off with him dead and in the ground. Um, but I don't know. The cost was very, very high, both in uh, in blood and treasure and uh, and, and continues. And then mm-hmm. Afghanistan, uh, you know, why well, I really don't think that we should be in Afghanistan at all at this point. I mean, there are, the, the, the stunning fact is that there are people who weren't even alive on 9-11 who are now fighting in Afghanistan. That's just, that's insane to me. Yeah. Um, so I, I guess, I mean, it, I supported it when it was happening. My mm-hmm. brother uh, did two tours in Iraq. So it kind of looks like right. you got to support the war if your brother's fighting in it. Um, but you know, yeah. uh, the hindsight's hindsight's twenty twenty. You know, everybody rallied yeah. around the flag. We got punched in the face, so we wanted to go punch somebody else in the face. Doesn't matter if it's the uh, if it's the uh, <laughs> not the people who perpetrated the original attack, but right. Uh, there was a bit yeah, of. Uh, I, I would like I would like a healthy democratic Iraq to counterbalance Iran in the region, but I you know I just maybe you're not going to see it. Yeah, maybe that's that's just the way. But uh, yeah, certainly it could have been uh, conducted better. All right, Steve, I've gotten way far afield here, but you have work to do, so I'm going to leave you alone. It is Steve Robinson. Follow him on Twitter at BigSteve207. Obviously, KirkManahanShow.com is where you can go to find out the different ways, platforms to get that show. It is very much, if you're not listening to it, you certainly should. Um, and then go back to the first episode and start learning about an entire universe of, <laughs> of, of people. <laughs> because it's just, man, I don't, I don't know how you do it all, but man, you're a hell of a producer, Steve. You're, but you're more than a producer. You're also a PR, a travel agent, uh, you know. You do a lot, a yeah. lot there, but that's... Yeah. Uh, uh, jack of all trades, master of none. But I really appreciate you inviting me on. This was fun. Well, it's been great, and uh, I'll talk to you down the road. No, we didn't even get a, we didn't even get around to the the, the damn statues. We're going to have to do that again. I, I want to go find a statue to tear down. Yes, yes, absolutely. Everything. <laughs> this is year zero, Steve. Everything must be taken down. <laughs> all right, Tom. Sounds good. See you later, man. Bye-bye. Bye, bye. Okay, so much has happened tonight. So this has just been absolutely crazy. Um, and uh, by the way, I'll be back on with Jerry tomorrow, uh, Callahan, to talk about a Jerry Callahan podcast. I'm sure in just a couple of minutes, uh, Minihan, this is Tuesday evening. Uh, Kirk and Minihan and Steve and the guys will be talking about it any uh, way, the, the NASCAR stuff. But before we go, I want to get into another story that is consistent with um, – the well, not only reporting I've done it at the Lowell Sun and uh, writing I guess I've done it at the Lowell Sun and um, but with a, a new template this wave of uh, media in newspapers being activists who are mobilized now to essentially bully uh, bully platforms in media news organizations news organizations that they don't like. Um, and use this weird implicit or explicit threat uh, as part of their reporting. 
that they do. So the latest thing is on a blog called Slate Star Codex. And it's written by a guy named Scott something. And it is written by a guy named Scott Alexander. Thank you very much. That voice you hear is Alice Shattuck. That is my wife. And I'm having my wife talk to... First of all, she's... I don't even know what her political ideology is, but she's all, she's she reads a million things a day, and she, so she brought this to my attention. This story, and um, Alice, just give me the nuts and bolts of this uh, of this story. I, it's the reason I can't. It, I, I tell my wife a lot. It's like pouring a beer into a shot glass, and I have no more. Um, I have no more mind left at this time of the evening already. So so what exactly happened here? So this is an interesting story. For those who don't know, um, Slate Star Codex is a blog. It's run off the West Coast by a psychiatrist. Um, he goes online by his real first and middle name, Scott Alexander. But he doesn't uh, release his last name because he's a practicing psychiatrist and he doesn't want his clients to really see his personal blog because he feels that it will make it more difficult to relate to them and possibly put their care into jeopardy. So um, he stays kind of pseudonymous is what they're calling it on this blog that he runs. It's really big in tech circles. Mm -hmm. Um, It's it describes itself, I suppose, as rationalist. So they're really into discussing long form you know, psychological research and society. And there's a little bit of overlap with some of this kind of James Damore stuff. Um, okay. So he has some kind of libertarian-ish tendencies. But in general, the guy is pretty liberal. Um, and he writes super long, super intellectual essays. And people go on this blog and discuss it. And people who are into it are really into it. Um but it's not, I suppose, really widely known in the mainstream. Um, so this guy, he uh, just took down the blog and he put up a post that says he was contacted by a New York Times tech reporter and um, the tech reporter wanted to do a piece on his blog. Primarily, it came up to his attention because uh, they were right early on about some coronavirus stuff uh, that was happening. So... So he wanted to do kind of a post about their community and talk about them. And he let Scott Alexander know that he knew his real identity and that he wanted to publish it in the New York Times article. And um, so what's the reason? Why did he why did he have to use his real identity? Um, he said that that's the New York Times policy that they give real names when they can. Um, and so as a bunch of people have pointed out, the New York Times grants anonymity all the time for all kinds of reasons they granted anonymity 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 to a mom because she didn't want her college daughter to be embarrassed they granted anonymity to somebody who had always wanted to be an anonymous source Mm -hmm. Uh, they clearly have no problem granting it to people in the trump administration who want to leak things um yes i believe there's an anonymous source in the white house who wrote a piece for the new york times or at least was quoted heavily trying to assuage the fears of people that they weren't going to let him bring it, drag us into a nuclear war, some kind of total global annihilation. Right. So it's really unclear here. And the New York Times hasn't really responded to requests for more information about what happened here. There have also been a bunch of people from the blog who have now come forward, commenters on the blog, people who participate in the discussions in this community, saying that this same tech reporter reached out to them weeks before he spoke to Scott Alexander and offered them anonymity to talk about him. Ah. So... 
that leads to questions. The guy who runs the blog has been pretty willing to give them the benefit of the doubt and say, I think they were trying to write a nice story, but this is just their policy and maybe they'll reconsider this policy in the future. But, um, you know, it's starting to look like maybe they weren't going to write such a nice article about him and his blog. Mm. And, and, and it has been a target occasionally of feminists and stuff. But generally, because it's sort of niche, it hasn't been a really big target of anybody. Um, and And I don't think it's right for it to be a target. It's a pretty intellectual right. subculture. Right, but anyway, in the newspaper, you would essentially say that they were going to blow him up, is how it would probably say it right. in the newspaper. Right, and possibly lose his job. He was concerned that his clients might have to find new doctors, things like mm-hmm. that, um, and that that would put their care at risk. So, I mean, I think those would be enough legitimate concerns. I'm not a reporter or a newspaper mm-hmm. editor, but I, I would think that that would be enough to get them to consider granting him that to run the article. And it's not clear. They're refusing to comment if they're planning to still run the article and still blow him up. So, who knows? knows what's going to happen here but rightfully some people have been asking some questions of the new york times right now right this is the bullying that we've seen this is the these these people have stormed the editorial uh pages and now run they essentially run the paper these are uh hardliners and when you said earlier that he's mostly liberal mostly liberal no longer makes it in the new york times alice shattuck thank you very much Thank you for, for having us. me on. Hey, can you let me know? Um, you know, I've gotten, since we've started this, I've started this podcast, I have gotten very hurtful and pointed and, um, what's that, uh, ad hominem attacks uh, leveled at me based on the theme music of the podcast. There's an ever-growing uh, fervor out there, like the statues that have to be you know, removed or pulled down violently. There's a fervor to remove and pull down my theme song. What is your opinion on the song? Um, I kind of find the music don't, relaxing. Don't bother the mob. Don't bend the knee. I find the music relaxing, personally. It doesn't bother me. I believe early on when you had an episode without the music, I missed the music mm-hmm. and commented to you how come this one didn't have opening music. So, Well, there you go. My, I rest my case. Thank you, Alice. You're welcome. Woe betide you haters. I will see you tomorrow. Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. 
Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.